the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Thursday, March 11th, 2021. Today's opening is a little different. I want to dedicate it to some quotes that have been circling in my mind and place them in front of yours. Let me start with something I heard this morning from Dennis Prager. Given it's a year anniversary now since COVID has been declared a pandemic. He said, we're supposed to respect people who say wear a mask after you are vaccinated. Have we lost all our senses? Good question. You can't see loved ones who are dying, even if you wear a mask. Have we lost all our senses? Good question. We are now at a place of medical and scientific nonsense and worse, cruelty. Thank you, Dennis. From the Institute of economic research, summarizing six studies, quote, a very recent series of studies show face masks become non-consequential and do not function after 20 minutes due to saturation. Those masks are only effective so long as they are dry, said Professor Yvonne Cosart of the Department of Infectious Diseases at the University of Sydney. As soon as they become saturated with the moisture in your breath, they stop doing their job and pass on the droplets. In a similar light, there are indications that wearing a mask that has already been used, which is very common, is riskier than if one one wore no mask at all. The evidence on mask mandates is also clear in that they are ineffective and do not work against respiratory viruses, which SARS-CoV-2 is. More. Citing several other studies, concerns are being raised regarding psychological damage and why a mask is not just a mask. There is tremendous psychological damage to infants and children with potential catastrophic impacts on the cognitive development of children when you force them to wear masks. This is even more critical in relation to children with special needs or those within the autism spectrum who need to be able to recognize facial expressions as part of their ongoing development. The accumulating evidence also suggests that prolonged mask use in children or adults can cause harms, so much so that neurosurgeon Russell Blaylock states, quote, the bottom line is that if you are not sick, you should not wear a mask, close quote. Furthermore, Dr. Blaylock states, by wearing a mask, the exhaled viruses will not be able to escape and will concentrate in the nasal passages of those who are sick. They then enter the olfactory nerves and can travel to the brain, close quote. The Institute concludes, based on all evidence available, quote, the science is settled. Masking children is as absurd, illogical, nonsensical, and potentially dangerous as anything we can think of, close quote. That's the science. Some other things on my mind. Listener Marilyn in Phoenix says when she thinks of the Biden nominees who are in trouble because they've tweeted nasty and worse messages in the recent past and blame it on the ethics of social media, she thinks of this line from C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity. Sure, quote, Surely what a man does when he is taken off his guard 
is the best evidence for what sort of man he is. If there are rats in a cellar, you are most likely to see them if you go in very suddenly. But the suddenness does not create the rats. It only prevents them from hiding. In the same way, the suddenness of the provocation does not make me ill-tempered. It only shows me what an ill-tempered man I am. That's probably worth repeating. Surely what a man does when he is taking off, taken off his guard is the best evidence for what sort of man he is. If there are rats in a cellar, you are most likely to see them if you go in very suddenly. But the suddenness does not create the rats. It only prevents them from hiding. In the same way, the suddenness of the provocation does not make me ill-tempered. It only shows me what an ill-tempered man I am. Close quote. Other things. If you want to know what an idiot sounds like, here's Arizona Republic columnist Greg Moore this morning. Quote, racism almost killed Meghan Markle in real time while we all watched. That's the only legitimate takeaway from the interview she granted Oprah Winfrey, especially for all the white people who think they're showing benevolence when they say, I don't see color. Ignoring someone's experience based on their ethnicity is an insidious form of bigotry. The details of uneven treatment that Markle shared in the 90-minute CBS interview are the sum of all fears for far too many black people in the U.S., and anyone who can't see that can't see us, close quote. Uneven treatment? Are you kidding me? Yeah, I'd say a member of the royal family receives uneven treatment, the kind of treatment every little girl dreams of, the kind of treatment most would give their eye teeth to enjoy. Moore concludes his column this way, quote, The good news is that Markle found allies, such as her husband, a white man who saw color and the harmful effects of racism, and she's rebuilding her life the way she sees fit. And through sharing her story, she's creating an opportunity for things to improve for black people, and there would be white allies who might otherwise claim they don't see color. That's the sort of thing that almost got Meghan Markle killed in real time while we all watched, closed quote. She's creating an opportunity for things to improve for black people. I'd like to see what she does for black people going forward with her millions of dollars. But you bet. Just be like Megan is the message, I guess. Go marry a prince, garner millions of dollars, get an interview with Oprah, and all will be healed. And what's this nonsense of her husband, a white man, who saw color in the harmful effects of racism? Did he see color when he married her or only after he married her? And how does he know this? And why was she suicidal if he was so sensitive to these issues ab initio? I'm sorry, but I've worked in suicide prevention and other self-harm prevention for decades. Megan is not the model of the problem, much less the solution. And jamming race into this issue is just unhelpful in the extreme. Professor Kahendri Andrews writes at CNN.com that, quote, probably the most shocking revelation from the interview was hearing that Markle was so depressed by her treatment, she considered suicide whilst pregnant. Unfortunately, this will likely come as no surprise to any black person who spends their time navigating white institutions. The constant feeling of being out of place, undermined and misunderstood take a daily toll. The term we use in academia is microaggressions. The paper cuts of racism that have the cumulative effect of damaging our mental health. Markle's treatment in the press was the perfect example of this kind of racism. No one came out with openly racist language. It was all coded 
with accusations that she was a bully. Really? You can't be of mixed race or any race and also be a bully? Can you be anything negative as a minority without it being labeled racist to say so? Is that, in saying so, the kind of microaggression that comes out coded because you don't really want to say something directly racist? Can you be anything negative as a minority? I guess we can't call Wayne Williams a psychopathic murderer of 30 children in Atlanta, as he is African-American, a psychopathic murderer. Moreover, he says any black person? Really? Suicide is uh, generally thought of, um, and any black person, you know, suicide is, is a problem that any person can have, regardless of race. But the fact that this Professor Andrews says that this affects any black person in a white majority institution means we have a much bigger problem than any of us in the prevention field ever thought because almost every institution in America, never mind this country, is majority white. Is every black person in this country contemplating suicide? Just so you know something about Professor Andrews, he opens his column by praising Malcolm X and quoting him for denouncing the great Martin Luther King march on Washington. Andrews writes this, quote, Malcolm famously declared the 1963 march on Washington, despite its best intentions and relative success, a farce, a production that Hollywood couldn't have topped. So I shudder to think what he would have made of this interview with Meghan Markle. Close quote. I, for one, could care less what a bigot like Malcolm X thought of the March on Washington, much less what he might have thought about the Meghan Markle interview. Malcolm X got nothing for civil rights. Martin Luther King got everything for the cause and without the hate that Malcolm X promulgated. Something about the word woke now, if I may. Interviews this week kept bringing it up as the ethics that surrounds us in so many of our racial and speech ills. I'd like to go back to the origin of the word. The word woke actually first made its appearance in the New York Times in 1962 in an op-ed by one William Melvin Kelly titled, quote, No Mickey Mouse can be expected to follow today's Negro idiom without a hip assist. If you're woke, you dig it, close quote. Kelly was writing about an ad he saw in the New York City subway system. The oddest thing is what Kelly wrote in 1962 about his culture, that of what he called, quote, the American Negro, close quote. He said, despite some of those new words coming out of the African-American community, the black man wants nothing more than to be completely accepted in American life. He dreams of living in a good neighborhood, driving a nice car, sending his children to a good school and making a decent living. He went on. He realizes that anything which sets him apart will keep him apart. Of course, that, in fact, was the main goal of civil rights in the 1960s, integration, mainstreaming into all of America life. Somewhere, somehow, that became no longer the goal but the enemy. Integration transmogrified into re- and self-segregation. Judgments by race, then deemed odious, have now become de rigueur at least to what we now have as mainstream terminology with the word woke. Consciousness raised, black power 
came to be the norm. You get that from Professor Andrews over at CNN while he cites Malcolm X and says the idea of not seeing color is racism itself. That would be surprising to the inventor of the term woke. Are you aware of how odious the idea of race power or power of race was to the integrationist ethic, the ethic of the inventor of the term woke? Let me read you a quote from a little later in that decade, from the year 1966. Quote, we've heard a lot of talk over the last few months of black power, and we've started hearing talk of white power. But I don't talk about black power or white power. I would prefer to believe in a kind of striped power where black and white together We work to achieve the legitimate power that all God's children must have to function in life. The fact is, there is no separate black path to power and fulfillment that does not intersect white routes. There is no white path to power and fulfillment short of chaos that does not share that power with black aspirations for freedom and human dignity. What we must come to see is that we are tied together, and every Negro is a little white, and every white person is a little Negro. All our music, our language, our material prosperity, even our foods are an amalgam of black and white. So the Negro needs the white man to save him from his fears as the white man needs the Negro to save him from his guilt. We are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality. Close quote. Guess who said that? Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. in a famous speech at Monmouth University. Today, CNN venerates Malcolm X criticizing King. As Thomas More says in A Man for All Seasons, I show you the times. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602 if you want to weigh in. Um... Okay, let's start with the border, shall we? It's um, something Joe Biden in less than two months has totally turned upside down. So much so that the president of Mexico, Andre Manuel Lopez Obrador, also known as Manlo, has called Joe Biden the migrant president. Because, quote, so many feel they're going to reach the United States. In an exclusive story interview with Reuters, Dave Graham writes exactly this, quote, Mexico's government is worried the new U.S. administration's asylum policies are stoking illegal immigration and creating business for organized crime. Close quote. I'll do it again. It's Reuters, quote, Mexico's government is worried the new U.S. administration's asylum policies are stoking illegal immigration and creating business for organized crime. Nice work. We have now offended two allies, one on our border to the north, one on our border to the south. Please recall how Donald Trump was such an aberration who our allies couldn't stand. We have offended Canada by canceling the pipeline for no good reason, Excel pipeline, and now even the socialist president of Mexico 
for creating more organized crime in his country that is already riven by it. What did Joe Biden do? We spoke about this yesterday. Issues and Insights plays it out well. He canceled Donald Trump's construction of the border wall. Then he jettisoned Trump's successful remain in Mexico policy that required asylum seekers caught in the U.S. to wait in Mexico while their cases were adjudicated. Then he suspended Trump's requirement that asylum seekers who traverse another country before reaching the U.S. had to seek asylum in that country first. Then Joe Biden also stopped using Title 42, which gave border agents the ability to remove illegals in order to prevent the further spread of COVID. And then he announced a 100-day pause on deportations. And then he issued new rules that crippled the ICE, Immigration Customs Enforcement Agency's ability to arrest and deport illegals. He's also proposed the most sweeping amnesty for illegals in history. You create a magnet, you're going to get it. Now, the problem is not just the border itself. The problem is not just crime itself. The problem is not just relations with Mexico itself. The problem is not just chaos itself. Do you know what the problem also is? Children. Children. 1,000. 763 children in custody in the United States without their parents, all held for more than the statutory 72 hours. Far more than the children in cages meme that was created in 2018 and 19 by those opponents of Donald Trump. At its height, That was 1,400 children. We are now over 300 children more. I remember, I'm old enough to remember, actresses and liberal activists saying harass Trump supporters and Trump officials until they stop putting children in cages. I'm old enough to remember Nancy Pelosi saying this. So the casual attitude that they're having about this, oh, no, we don't like that. The administration, they can weigh in with the administration and stop it on a dime and not wait for some um, concoction that really doesn't address the immorality of our lack of asylum. When we had a a hearing on uh, a subject related to this, asylum seeker, refugees, et cetera, uh, the American, the Association of Evangelicals, the evangelicals testified that asylum, refugees and asylum, that is the, they called it the crown jewel of America's humanitarianism. Crown jewel of American humanitarianism. And in order to do away with that crown jewel, they're doing away with the children being with their moms. This is... I, I, I just don't even know why there aren't uprisings all over the country. And maybe there it is. Be. There it is. Why are there not uprisings all over the country? Good question.
Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. Good grief, Charlie Brown. The Department of Defense, that outfit over there, as Joe Biden would call it, that outfit over there, over there, you know, across the river in another state, where you go for destination weddings and parties, that outfit over there, the Department of Defense, issued a press release this afternoon titled Press Secretary Smites Fox Host. Press Secretary Smites Fox Host. The host is Tucker Carlson for questioning the Department of Defense's new regulations on women in the military and Joe Biden's statement the other day, two days ago, on bringing more women in the military. It was the same event where Joe Biden called it that outfit over there. And Tucker Carlson gave a monologue on it. Joe Biden spoke about new hair regulations and new uniform regulations for more women in the military. And Tucker Carlson gave a monologue on it on his TV show. Critical monologue. Dissenting from the notion that the military should be spending time about thinking about better and different haircuts and regulations so that you can expand female participation in the military. So the Department of Defense press secretary smites Fox host. They put out a press release today condemning Tucker Carlson. As Tucker says, it's as almost as if we're a hostile foreign power. Why do you smite? What's, when's the last time you saw the word smite? Last time I think I saw it was when I read about Moses smiting a taskmaster. Smite, it's a biblical term, kind of. But that aside, all that aside, you think the DOD shouldn't have more important things on their mind than Tucker Carlson's criticism and going tit for tat with Tucker Carlson? Maybe like, oh, I don't know, our southern border. Maybe like, I don't know, Syria. Did you know we're back at war there, by the way? Not only have we ruined relations with Mexico and Canada, not only have we created a humanitarian crisis at the border, we're back at war in Syria. All in less than two months of Joe Biden's presidency. In which I remind he has never given a solo press conference. Now, tonight he'll be addressing the nation via teleprompter. Be interested to see whether he has a mask on or not. I wonder if he'll have a mask on. Because he did say that if you are on federal property, you must wear a mask. Be interested to see whether he has two masks on. Sometimes he does, sometimes he has one. We know he's been vaccinated. Did you see Anthony Fauci trying to explain why vaccinated people shouldn't travel on CNN? This is from Mediaite. John Berman said, what's the science behind not saying it's safe for, tra- for people who have been vaccinated, who have received two doses to travel? Fauci replied, quote, you know, that's a very good question, John. The CDC is carefully heading in that direction. You know. 
when Dr. Walensky made the announcement a day or two ago, when you have a couple of people, two or three people in a family setting, both of whom are vaccinated, even if it's someone, a friend, it doesn't have to be a member of the family. That's the first in a multi-step process that they're going to be rolling out. But every time that there's a surge in travel, we have a surge of cases in this country. So when you don't have the data and you don't have the actual evidence, then you've got to make a judgment call. And I think that's what you're going to be seeing in the next weeks. You're going to see little by little, more and more guidelines, getting people to be more and more flexible. The first installation of this is what vaccinated people can do in a home setting. Obviously, the next one is going to be what you're asking. That's verbal diarrhea. He has no idea what he's talking about. That is a non-answer. There is no point to a vaccine if you can only interact with other people who are vaccinated. There is no point to it. None. Zero. And he's telling you right there in that answer, the travel restrictions on vaccinated people have nothing to do with science. It's going to be a quote unquote judgment call. Maybe we're mature enough to make our own judgment calls. You kind of um, want to just keep listening to that, don't you? You kind of do. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show, 602-508-0960. Bill de Blasio came out swinging today on Andrew Cuomo. Um, I'm waiting for Kristen Gillibrand. Kamala Harris was asked a question about it yesterday and dodged it, just walked off stage. She was asked what she had to say about Andrew Cuomo, and she just kept a walking. Nothing to say here. Are um, women still proud of Kamala Harris? Are their daughters still excited to see what it means to have a strong woman as the vice president of the United States, the first female vice president of the United States, standing up for women's values and women's rights? She has been muzzled, muzzled. She has said nothing important. And by the way, how proud does one want to be of some kind of feminist avatar, feminist idol, feminist icon, feminist representative when she can't say a word, walks off stage when asked about a political leader who has six accusations of sexual harassment pending against him. Listen to Bill de Blasio. The latest report and the fact that we can talk about how many people are bringing through, bringing forward accusations, that it's not one, it's not two, it's not three, it's not four, it's not five, it's six women who have come forward. It's deeply troubling, the specific allegation that the governor called an employee of his, someone who he had power over, called them to a private place, and then sexually assaulted her, is absolutely unacceptable. It is disgusting to me. And he can no longer serve as governor. It's as simple as that. Um, I think we've seen so many uh, 
so many troubling things that have come out just in a matter of weeks, starting with the fact that thousands of people died in the nursing homes, and we still don't have the truth about that, and their families need and deserve the truth. And we know one thing, there was a purposeful cover-up, and that alone is unacceptable and disqualifying. Uh, you know, new issues, obviously, around the Tappan Zee Bridge, but, but these six women who have come forward um, with such powerful, painful stories, uh, and particularly this most recent report, is just disqualifying. He just can't serve as governor anymore. He can't serve as governor anymore. Can you imagine a mayor of the same party saying that about their governor? I wonder if this will be front page headlines tomorrow. de Blasio said that today. Not one, not he counted, not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six. Bill Clinton didn't have six. There were several, but there weren't six. There was Paula Jones and Kathleen Willey. Uh, there was obviously Monica Lewinska didn't complain. She was discovered. Uh, Jennifer Flowers alleged an affair, didn't call it abuse. But that other one... Um, Juanita Broderick claimed rape. But that, even with all those, good good memory, Bill, that gets you f- five? Jones, Flowers, Broderick, Lewinsky, who am I missing? Wiley, five. I think five. I think five. Cuomo has not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, but six. He, and he can no longer serve as governor. That's a big deal. That's a big deal deal. You know, no Democrat asked Bill Clinton to resign. Do you know that? You are aware of that? Not even Joe Lieberman. Not even Joe Lieberman, who a lot of people thought might. Fox News reports Vice President Kamala Harris, Senator Elizabeth Warren and other prominent Democrat women are frauds for failing to comment on the plethora of sexual harassment allegations against New York Governor Andrew Cuomo according to Fox Nation host Tammy Bruce. Bruce told the Faulkner Focus that women mentioned the women mentioned have previously signaled their moral standing and portrayed themselves as ethical standard bearers against the harassment of women in the workplace by attacking and calling for the resignation of men like Justice Brett Kavanaugh. Bruce accused the women of using the Me Too movement as a facade to play politics and destroy political opposition while protecting fellow Democrats like Cuomo. Quote, Americans have watched a fraud unfold with people who pretend to be better than them or pretend that we're going to protect you. In fact, when the chips are down, they choke and refuse to do anything. And you think there's going to be no repercussions. No wonder Cuomo thinks he's going to be protected because he has been for decades. Kamala Harris was a staunch critic of Kavanaugh when he faced allegations of misconduct During his confirmation process, during the 2020 primary campaign, she said she believed women who had accused President Biden of inappropriate touching. So far, however, Kamala Harris has yet to weigh in, and she did not acknowledge a question yesterday as she walked out of the room after speaking to reporters Wednesday. Other prominent Democrats, including Elizabeth Warren, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Senator Kristen Gillibrand have remained silent and did not respond to requests for comment. We proud of them? Is this what uh, is this what was uh, in mind 
when Kamala Harris got the nomination for vice president. We had all those encomiums to her about how important it would be to little girls across the world and across the country to see that you too can become the second most powerful woman in the world so that you can watch someone like Andrew Cuomo weave and dodge allegations that are mounting by the day. I never thought ever a believe all women was a very good notion or ethos. In fact, it's absurd, but that's their standard, not ours. And you don't have to believe all women. Pick one of six. Will seven be the number in which they decide to call on Andrew Cuomo to resign? Will eight? Will nine? Here's the irony. Ready for it? It's not Kamala Harris who has shown young girls how to stand up to abusive, powerful males. It was Bill de Blasio. It was a man. It was a man who showed the world how to stand up to someone who is accused of serial sexual harassment. It was a man. The idea that because you're a woman or because you're an X, a Y, or a Z makes you a champion of X, Y, or Z is a farce. A complete and total farce. It means nothing. It's not true. And Kamala Harris just showed us why. What does she have to lose, by the way? Is Andrew Cuomo that important? What does he have on them? That's the question one has to ask. You said Bill. Bill de Blasio almost sounds as if he knows something. He might. Do I have any music? No. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Mike's in Maricopa. Hello, Mike. What happened? I am right here for you, brother. How are you? Oh, okay. I heard a beep, and then I and it went dead. I thought it was... Anyway. That's okay. We're fine. We're good. We're good here now. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, you had mentioned a little earlier about the drug cartels and the destructive nature of their behavior and stuff. And, you know, I'd like to explain, maybe come up with a concept here uh, to help the people, the listeners, especially uh, the people that think that it's just a border thing, is uh, a lot of times we hear the the big cartels like the Sinaloa cartel and the CJNG, the cartel Jalisco Nuevo Generación. Right. Right. Uh, we hear them uh, called drug trafficking organizations. Right. They, they abbreviate it, call them DTOs, right. transnational criminal organizations, and especially those two, but some of the other ones, the Gulf Cartel. Uh, I, what I'm seeing is the behavior is more than just criminal. It would fall more into the category of what we would describe as insurgents, because like in the example of the Sinaloa Cartel in Sinaloa, Mexico, they go in, they kill the mayor the governor, the police, the teachers, and then they set up their own form of governance in that area. They have their own judicial system, their own security. You bet. It becomes a company town, so to speak. You bet. Correct. 
and and that's where it would fall more into the category of an insurgent group and not just a DTO. Uh, if anybody's been following what goes on down in Mexico, the police cannot handle this stuff. No. And sometimes the military gets their Correct. Uh, backsides kicked pretty good. Back in May 1st of 2011, or excuse me, 2015, uh, they... Uh, the CJNG went into Guadalajara, the second largest city in Mexico, and they hijacked like 30-some big semi-trucks, parked yep. them at key intersections, yep. and then they proceeded to start robbing banks and farming. This is the group based in Jalisco, and, right? Right. Yes. Yes. And, and then they... Uh, when the military, because the police couldn't come in on the ground because all these burning trucks were at the, the key intersections, the military had sent in, uh, they called them cougar helicopters. They hold about 14 people. And the CJNG had figured out where the limited amount of landing zones were. And when the Marines started to fast rope out of the hovering helicopter, the CJNG had these landing zones surrounded with uh, guys with 30 caliber machine guns mounted in the back of the, the pickup trucks. They killed after the two Marines oh, Mike, you're doing a great job. I, how do you know? Are you former DEA or current, or how do you know all this? This is good stuff. Uh, well, I study quite a bit here's of my, it. Here's it, my trouble. I have to hit a hard break, top of the hour, and then an interview. Would you call us back either later today or tomorrow? You've got a wealth of information, and it's very helpful. I just have to hit the hard break. I thank you, Mike. Please I, do call back.